Hello and welcome to Modern Animism, a very convoluted guide. In the programme tonight I'm going to talk about the evolution of animal souls and the changes in beliefs that have occurred in the last hundred years. Um, but before I do that let me just recount the idea of animists and the belief that all objects have a soul. Now we are told that animism means that all objects are considered to have a soul and this is important because it means there's an equality between all objects and all things on the planet. There's also no more disparity or polarisation of good and evil. Um, there's also no idea of spirit or materialism. Everything just exists sort of immediately and we access it now. That's why we have this idea of Grandfather Rock. We see objects as being familiar to us. We hold them in that regard. So we have an emotional connection to the objects in our life and we also treat them as we would do a grandfather and we, not only that, we presume them to be steadfast or mature or consistent. So sort of human characteristics underplayed onto inanimate objects. There's also the belief that all objects could potentially have a consciousness, um, such as the reincarnation idea that will come back as being a tree or as a rock. So part of us exists there. So there's also that secondary idea of animism. And there's also the idea of souls and soul evolution that everything might actually be alive because it has some sort of connection to a greater source, a blueprint for how it must be on the planet. Um, so we see things as being all equal. But saying that, when you look at actual case studies of animists who are practicing in folk tribes, folk customs, um, and I'm looking specifically to Northern Indian animists and Canadian animists. And when we look at these tribes, because I'm just taking a cross-section of a few, we find that the belief in animism isn't universal. By which I mean that although the theory goes that everything has a soul, in actuality you find that there are instances where they believe things that go against that belief. And there are instances where certain objects don't have a soul. So it's not, it's not universally applicable. And I'm looking at um, Canadian sledgers who believe that all animals have a soul except for dogs. Because if they believe dogs had a soul, then they wouldn't be able to treat them as a commodity. They wouldn't be able to dog sled with them. They wouldn't be able to go out. They wouldn't be able to lock them up. They wouldn't make them run for long distances because they obviously believe that these animals are a commodity. Therefore, they can't afford them to have souls. They can't afford to give them that treatment or that quality or that spiritual position. Um, it just wouldn't function within their society if they did that. We find again that, and I was talking about tribes in northern India and their 
they don't do this now, but they were um, elephant hunters. And we find that they were animists. Yes, they believed that all animals had a soul. All animals had a quality. Um, but that only existed to animals within their specific area. So that meant that they could then go out and trap an elephants that lived outside their immediate environment. Because only the ones that reacted to them within this privileged um, community, if you were, this interacted with them on a daily basis, were considered to have souls. Animals that were further away, they could afford to, to trap them for their ivory. Um, so we find there's this sort of idea that, yes, all animals have soul, um, except maybe ones that we need to use to utilise. And this is why we find that animism is not really um, conductive to agricultural societies. We find that um, in hunter-gathering societies, yes, there's lots of animism, there's examples of animism. But in societies where they work with animals more closely and they do animal husbandry, in those instances the animals are not considered to have a soul. It's, you can't raise an animal for meat and then presume that that animal is going to be holy or revered or have equal equality to you. You just can't have that because obviously you're going to use the animal for meat so you can't believe it has an equality. Um, same goes again for environment. Some animists believe um, certain environments are holy, so animals in that environment um, are considered to be have souls and they form a cosmology or an idea of how things all fit together. But animals that are outside that might come in might not be considered to have souls. And we we'll see this with global warming in instances like this that the animals that come in, they're used to working with humans and they don't get in their way, they don't cause much disruption. But you find that animals come in and they are more disruptive and they'll pick up plants and they'll destroy crops and they'll attack villages and things like that. And they consider these animals have lost the thing that makes them, that gives them a soul. So some sort of spirit or force that makes them interact with the other animals, the other objects in the area, but the fact of logging and things like that that makes animals come into the area, those animals, they've got what you call intelligence. Like I was talking about Father Rock, they've got those things. We see that they're cheeky, they're naughty, they're disruptive, and we see that they are quite human-like, but they've lost that soul source that makes them behave in a certain reverence with the other objects that they come into contact with. So they've lost this, they've, the animals in that environment have lost sight of that equality between all objects. Does that make sense? So as I was talking about animal husbandry, we know that although animists in theory believe that all animals and all objects are equal, that there are instances where that doesn't hold true. We'll also see that there are certain activities that make something animistic, like the soul comes in, it's not consistent, it can be movable, 
and that's important because if you're going to make your tool and give and believe your tools have a soul there's got to be a way of bringing that energy in to make that that tool container presence it's got to be a purpose it's got to have something that's got to have moved in to create that it's not just an automatically yeah i've made something and therefore it has animistic values something that comes in and makes this behave that way and um, we were talking a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago i was discussing the idea of causality I was talking about Spinoza and the idea that things come from a natural source. And this is actually um, naturalism. And naturalism runs hand to hand with animism. Um, people can have mana, people can have energy, but that's got to have come in from somewhere else. Um, it's not just something that's automatic developed. It doesn't stay there all the time. It's in the way that we treat the animals. And we see that in the dog's letters. It's in the way they're managed. It's in the way that their work in that community so if they handle things nicely if the animals themselves are in touch with the other objects then that's a good example of animism but things that have been brought in for further away they maybe not be considered as having a soul or having the same connection to the source and this is important for us as modern animists because i also was speaking a second ago about animal husbandry so we understand that connection to how an animal has been bred and brought up, that animal husbandry, is less likely to make us animistic. So our society is less animistic when there's a lot of agricultural activity. But in our modern era, we see there's been a growth of animism. And of course, that growth in animism is going to be definitely linked to the fact that we're no longer personally involved in animal husbandry. We also see that animism is linked to a connection to the animals that animals in environments um, have more protection than animals outside of environments like those elephant hunters but we'll see as we get more educated as humans about animals in the world that has also led us to become more animistic because we're no longer ignorant of the other animals we can't say yes there's an animal in Australia, but I don't believe it has a soul, um, as maybe you would do if you were an African tribesman, because you have no contact or awareness of that animal, you might not believe in its existence. But we have much more media, we have much more understanding of animals, so therefore our capacity to be animistic is much greater now than it was previously in the past. And we see that our way that we view animals and the way that we view animism has changed in the way that we treat our pets. And you know that I this is something that I spoke about a long time ago, but you might not have heard this particular podcast, but I was talking about the souls of cats and dogs. And once upon a time, we thought that animals and dog souls were not as valuable as humans. Uh, that was very big for Christians. Um, you wouldn't, for example, have your dog have funerary rites. They wouldn't be buried until about 100 years ago. We, further, we saw the first dog cemeteries because we started to believe that dogs had a purpose. And, and that sort of has been growing in recent times. So we see that now there was a previous 
place where we thought that dogs would go up to dog heaven but now we see that people just actually believe that the dogs will be up there with them when they die the dogs have an a capacity to reach heaven that is greater than the human capacity to reach heaven in words dogs have more morals dogs have more souls and dogs have more spirituality than humans themselves do which obviously has always gone against a way of thinking we always had free will we always had to make moral decisions to get into heaven but now there's been a change in the way that our morality has exists and that has helped us believe that you can be moral without being good there's no stages to it you can just be inherently um good from being innocent but our point changes the way that we view animals we also see that in the way that we brought animals into our homes and the animals have become our pets and this sort of stands against the idea of animism in many respects because in lots of instances you're not treating your, people don't treat their pets as their equals i mean they do baby them they put them in clothes and things like that but that's not the same as actually truly valuing your animals for what they are and believing that they are your equivalent because if you believed the animal was your equivalent you wouldn't quite baby it so much you know you'd allowed it to be free you give it the freedoms that it deserves as its species you won't be feeding it inadequate food you'd be allowing it um greater areas to and better social interaction with other species you know so we find that although our view of animals having soul has altered and that has led to more animistic beliefs simultaneously it's also led to anti-animistic beliefs because we're no longer seeing animals as equivalent or of having the same type of value we don't see them as being an animal in their own right we're seeing them as sort of semi-human beings um, an equivalent to ourselves which is isn't really an animist point of view um, although it's very nice for the humans to have animals in their life, it's not really animism, isn't it? So having spoken about that, the next podcast I'm going to do is on naturalism, which, as I've just mentioned before, that's the belief that we, the world has an energy source that lots of animists believe in that make animistic objects have life. And we look at the transience of spirits because some animists believe that obviously the spirits come into tools and things like that so that's important for us to think about as well and that's going to be my next podcast and um, but it's possibly i do these fortnightly on a monday but unfortunately i will not be doing one next fortnightly monday and um, because i will be away so i shall see you in a little bit longer and um, maybe a month's time but i hope you'll listen to that because it's very important i think as a mononymist, to think about naturalism as being the force behind animism and how the two work in partnership. And I thank you for listening.